The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 304. Broadcasting live July 29th, 2015 on RageWorks.net. If this is your first time tuning in, My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. We air twice a week. On Wednesdays, we cover MMA and wrestling. And on Thursdays, we cover gaming and entertainment. To participate in the show, you can go to mtrlive.com. And join our live chat. You can also call in 347-324-3541. Again, 347-324-3541. Last but not least, you can find archived episodes of the show, usually within 24 to 48 hours of a live broadcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and of course on RageWorks.net. If you're unable to get to a mobile device, you do have other options to listen to the live show. You can use the Mixler app, which is available for iOS and Android devices. You download that and just punch in My Take Radio, and you can listen to a live show that way. In addition to that, you can also use our call-in number, not hit option one, and listen to the, listen to the entire show via your mobile device, whether on speakerphone or headphones, whatever the case may be. You can listen to the live show that way. All right, so we got a lot on deck this evening. We are going to touch on a lot of crazy things going on, both with wrestling and mixed martial arts. But before we get into that, we want to get some housekeeping out of the way. Uh, for those of you that are on mtrlive.com, you're going to see that we are not doing a video stream through GFQ. We are running a video stream through StreamUp. But we are still using the chat. Uh, for those of you that are in the chat, just let me know how the video looks via stream up. I'm looking at it via an encoder, and it looks good. But as always, you know, I always want to hear from you guys because you guys aren't seeing what I'm seeing. Uh, one of the th reasons why we're testing out stream up today is for number one, obviously looking for live video alternatives. Number two, we are also testing a new video platform as well, which is a far departure from Wirecast and ManyCam, which we were using to feed video for the other shows. And if you guys have noticed, you guys have 
pretty much seen that on more than one occasion the last couple of episodes, the video feed takes a dump. So we're actually using XSplit, which many of you guys may recognize from uh, game streaming across the, across the board. Everybody either uses XSplit or OBS. Uh, we're trying that for a little bit. I do want to try another program uh, within the next three weeks just to see how it works that we got a trial on, which is vMix. Just trying to work around and see what works for you guys, gives you guys the best video possible, and of course allows us to give you a great experience. Like I said, we're testing out XSplit, so there might be a couple of funky happenings. If the video does take a dive, know that we are recording an audio backup of the show, and if we got to resort to audio only, then so be it. But nonetheless, we're testing XSplit, we're testing StreamUp, we're testing a lot of stuff tonight, so bear with us while we work out some of the kinks. Uh, one thing I did want to address is our broadcast schedule. Um, of course, for the last couple of weeks, you guys know that we've had a lot of event coverage. We've been doing a lot of stuff. And because of that, uh, we have not been able to do gaming and entertainment shows. I'd like to say the last two weeks, I kind of feel it's been longer. But nonetheless, um, one of those things that kind of took a, a hit with us covering so many events. Well, we are doing a full crop of shows this week. As I said at the top of the show, MMA and wrestling tonight, gaming and entertainment tomorrow. But next week, I will be taking a, um, a well-deserved uh, vacation, uh, not, but you know, to go see my father-in-law in Florida. So uh, there will be no shows next week, but that doesn't mean there won't be any content. Um, as I just was informed by Ben that the new edition of Black is the New Black has been uploaded that will be edited and posted on the web sooner rather than later of course you got these two servings of my take radio this week perhaps a buried show plus i know that our very own jay santi is working on his sports show which will be debuting very 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 soon uh, once we have all the full details for that we will make a complete formal announcement on rageworks.net with air times um you know, places where you can download the show, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Which leads me to a couple of things with regards to uh, distribution of the shows and a couple of other things. Uh, first off, many of you know that we currently manage a Rageworks and a My Take Radio fan page on Facebook. We also recently launched a um, Rageworks group. So we have the Rageworks group, we have a Rageworks fan page, and of course, a My Take Radio fan page. And while it's great to have all of that stuff, managing it is a huge, huge, huge pain in the ass uh, for a couple of reasons. Obviously, trying to make sure everybody sees our content, trying to make sure we have a good footprint, um, you know, the usual business-related reasons that many of you know. But um, we are going to be making some changes my intention is that this Friday uh, I will be merging the My Take Radio fan page with Rageworks, which um, will, of course, carry everything over and create one page. Now, obviously, this is going to make for just an easier way to track things. But the other reason is that if My Take Radio is part of the Rageworks brand, that should be reflected across all mediums whenever possible, excluding Twitter, of course. But nonetheless, 
just something that um, I kind of felt needed to be done. And because of that, uh, we're going to execute that this Friday. Now, as always, I welcome the input from our readers, listeners, uh, viewers, depending on how you guys consume our media. So by all means, feel free to reach out. If you guys notice that the My Take Radio page disappears, know that everything will carry over to Rageworks. All right, so as I said, that pretty much covers all the housekeeping. Again, no live shows next week, but there will be plenty of content. And of course, if you have any pressing concerns, you'll be able to reach out to me or Slick or any of the uh, senior staff at Rageworks and My Take Radio, and um, we'll try and help you out with whatever you guys may need if something arises during my absence. Now, what's on deck for tonight? Well, obviously, we're going to get into the UFC on Fox event, the MMA news of the week, and um, of course, on the wrestling side, we're going to talk about Raw and the wrestling news of the week, and of course, the elephant in the room, the Hulk Hogan situation. Uh, We're going to kind of take a deep dive into that for a couple of reasons. Uh, First and foremost, Uh, The subject of race is going to be addressed and we're going to try and have a, you know, a a, 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 as possible, a mature as possible (laughs) um, discussion on the Hogan situation, only because there are some amusing high points and low points of this entire fiasco. Obviously, the low points being pretty much the the erasing of Hulk Hogan from WWE history which um, we're going to get into that. And, of course, we're going to address, you know, where, where the wrestling business and WWE goes from here, um, including Hulk Hogan. So, of course, we are going to get into that. As always, if you want to participate, contribute, uh, be a part of the show, you can hit up our chat, mtrlive.com, participate there. And, of course, you can call in 347-324-3541. And make sure to let Slick know who you are and what you want to contribute. And we will bring you on air and you'll be able to share your piece. All right. With that said, let us jump into the MMA news of the week and also discuss the UFC on Fox event. So let's get that ball rolling. All right, so I want to get the ball rolling with UFC on Fox 16, which actually was not only an incredibly enjoyable event, but yielded some extremely, extremely exciting fights. We had, of course, TJ Dillashaw versus Henan Barrow was your main event. We also had a number one contendership fight uh, between Misha Tate and Jessica I. In addition to that, there were just some solid, solid fights overall that not only thoroughly impressed but really delivered on a card that I felt really benefited more so from word of mouth than media promotion because I felt that the media promotion for this card was virtually non-existent. As always, uh, we're not going to recap the card because at this point you guys know the results, but I, excuse me, I do want to share my thoughts on a couple of fights. Uh, first fight, of course, that everybody's been talking about and not for good reasons was the fight between Jessamyn Duke and Elizabeth Phillips. Now, those of you that are familiar with Ronda Rousey and the four horsewomen of MMA know that Jessamyn Duke 
trains with Ronda Rousey and is pretty much a stable a stable mate of Ronda's. And with that, we expected to see a lot of what's been taught in Ronda's camp at work. But this fight ended up it, it was a solid fight, but the what ended up happening was anything that happened to this fight was derailed due to two wardrobe malfunctions that happened. Um, it was inevitable in the sport of mixed martial arts, especially with the women, that something like this would happen, and it did. Um, in two instances, of course, somebody promptly grabbed a screen grab and made sure to share it to the internet audience across the world. Now, it's not a big deal. I thought the fight was was solid. Uh, some people were feeling that the fight could have gone either way. Elizabeth Phillips took the fight via unanimous decision. Um, like I said, it was a solid fight. It was pretty enjoyable. Did I feel that it could have been uh, placed a little higher up on the card? Yeah, but I also felt that it falls into the stigma that I've discussed where women's fights do not end in devastating fashion. Uh, this fight, like I said, went the distance. It was enjoyable, but people are not going to remember anything about the fight aside from the fact that there was a wardrobe malfunction on two separate occasions. Uh, the other fight I wanted to talk about was Darren Cruikshank taking on James Krause. Of course, James Krause, uh, a, a very, very, very talented and a fighter that, uh, you know, a talented fighter that not too many people are talking about, but he usually goes out there and he has pretty solid performances. Darren Cruikshank, much, much like James Krause, falls into that category. The lightweight division is stacked with so much talent that sometimes you forget that there are so many dangerous guys in that division that give us exciting fights. This fight definitely fell in the exciting category. Um, definitely uh, rock'em, sock'em robots to start. At which point, though, the fight did go to the ground and James Krause secured the victory via submission with a rear naked choke. Now, the other fight I wanted to talk about was Kenny Robertson and Ben Killaby Saunders. Uh, ben Saunders has been fighting in mixed martial arts for quite some time. Uh, he's you know, made a name for himself in the UFC. He's fought in Bellator. He came back to the UFC. The guy is, is always ready to fight at a moment's notice goes out there, gives it his all, and this fight between him and um, Robertson was a very exciting fight. I think that there were instances where both guys matched up a little too well. I mean, I looked at the first round, and that fight, that round could have gone to either guy. Uh, Robertson kind of came into his own in the second, but again, the third round definitely started to show a lot more favor towards Ben Saunders as the fight progressed. Uh, he took the victory via split decision. I enjoyed the fight thoroughly. Like I said, I like watching Ben Saunders fight this guy in every organization he goes. He tries to go out on his shield every time, and he definitely did not disappoint in this instance. The other fight, of course, with two great prospects, well, more more veteran than prospect at this point in the lightweight division was Danny Castillo and Jim Miller. Many of you know Jim Miller's a guy that when you talk about top 10 guys in the division, Jim Miller's name gets tossed around quite a bit. Danny Castillo is definitely no slouch either, and these guys went in there and, again, delivered an incredibly exciting, an incredible and very, very entertaining fight with a lot of exciting moments. Jim Miller took the fight via split decision. Um, again, very competitive. It could have gone either way. Um, I know a lot of people were upset because they felt that Castillo definitely was more so the aggressor, especially in the third round. 
but Jim Miller's a guy that never goes out and delivers a shitty performance. On the contrary, almost every time that he fights, you know you're going to see something amazing, and this fight definitely did not disappoint. Um, on the light heavyweight side of things, I really was impressed with Tom Lawler. I felt that I haven't seen him fight in ages with his knockout victory of Gian Vellante um, at 27 seconds in the second round. Uh, Vellante looked good in the first round, but Tom Lawler definitely has some dynamite in his fists, and sure enough, that's exactly the way it went. Uh, Gian Vellante, to start the second round, landed some, some decent uppercuts going in, but Lawler ended up hitting a counter right, and that was it. Once he hit that counter right, Gian Vellante was floored, and it was lights out for the kid. Uh, of course, Tom Lawler came in 9-5 and five with this record. Definitely makes a nice little statement at 205, keeping things competitive. Again, another solid fight. Now, the fight that I was very excited about was the Takanori Gomi-Joe Lazan fight for a couple of reasons. Joe Lazan, master of the fight of the night bonuses, the knockout of the night, submission of the night. The guy always goes out there ready to earn a bonus. Takanori Gomi, the fireball kid, a guy whose career I followed going back to his days in Japan, his days in Pride, uh, an, amazing an amazing wrestler, a solid a guy with solid stand-up, went in there uh, ready to bang with Joe Lazan, who, like I said, uh, never fails to disappoint. This is the master of the fight bonuses. And sure as shit, he definitely earned another one by, T by winning via TKO in the first round. It was crazy because the, um, when the fight went to the ground, Joe Lazan was dropping bombs on Takanori Gomi, and he ended up getting off because he knew that Gomi was out, but the the ref wasn't sure. Herb Dean wasn't sure, and he actually went in there to to try and finish it. But Herb Dean saw that he was out, and he stopped. You know, he stopped Joe Lazan from doing any more damage. Uh, very classy move on his part. Uh, Takanori Gomi was out. I mean, if you watch the replay, you'll see that um, Gomi did go out for like a moment, and then you know the ref definitely was not. As attentive as he should have been. No big deal, though. Joe Lazan, of course, uh, great professional, gets up, walks it off. And at that point, you know, when he realized the ref hadn't noticed, he figured, let me jump in and finish it. But at that point, the ref did it, saved Gomi from any additional damage. Uh, classy move on Lazan's part. Uh, a heartbreaking loss for Takanori Gomi. Guy came in 35 and 10. Guy's been fighting forever. I mean, if he. If he were to retire, I wouldn't even feel bad because he's delivered so many amazing fights. But I'm sure the UFC is going to give him another opportunity to prove himself. So I'm sure even though I feel we may have seen the last of the fireball kid, I have a feeling that will not be the case. Uh, we'll find out sooner rather than later, of course, once medical suspensions come through and other things are, are kind of taken care of with regards to potential fights for all of these guys. We'll see where the fireball kid fits in. Now, this fight, the next fight I want to talk about, Edson Barboza, Paul Felder, blew my mind. This fight was edge-of-your-seat excitement. Rock'em, sock'em robots from bell to bell. Edson Barboza's a beast. Paul Felder, of course, a training partner of Donald Cowboy Cerrone. I knew that we were going to see some incredible stand-up, some great striking, and we definitely did see that. Edson Barboza also 
never fails to disappoint. I know Ben, when he's been on the show a couple of times, he's said nothing but great things about Edson Barboza, and he definitely um, really delivered in this performance against Paul Felder. Felder, though, was tremendous. Uh, Felder was coming in undefeated for this fight, uh, 10-0. and Obviously, that has since changed as Edson Barboza takes the victory via unanimous decision. But again, an exciting fight. A great performance from both guys. Paul Felder, definitely you got to tip your hand to him. He showed incredible technique, solid striking, and really did not hesitate in any aspect of that fight. He tried to push the pace as best as he could. Edson Barboza was the better fighter on this day, but I'm sure that Paul Felder is going to be a guy that's going to be spoken about for quite some time. All right, before we get into the other fights, I see that some people are in the stream-up chat. A couple of people are in there. Uh, just a reminder that for the sake of not running too many chat rooms at once, we recommend that everybody go to mtrlive.com. Uh, the video stream is there, plus our chat room is there as well. That way you guys can all interact with each other versus kind of being distributed through other areas. Again, just go to mtrlive.com and you guys will be able to participate in the chat that is set up in there. All right, so... Let's talk about the ladies, Jessica I, Misha Tate. Of course, Jessica I, ranked number five in the women's bantamweight division, taking on number two ranked Misha Tate. This was a contendership fight with the winner, of course, meeting Ronda Rousey, who fights this weekend as she faces uh, Beck Cahaya. Um, of course, everyone knows that fight. There's a lot of animosity there, and everyone knows that there's a lot of animosity between Ronda and Misha Tate, so... Everyone expected that if Misha Tate won, it was inevitable that they would announce that fight immediately. This fight, incredibly competitive, but Misha Tate definitely showed a lot of improvements in her striking, in the way she, she pushed the pace and engaged throughout the fight. Uh, definitely uh, no disrespect to Jessica I. Jessica I had great striking, especially in that second round, working the jab. Um, she definitely took it to Misha Tate, but Misha Tate is more she was definitely more imposing um pushing the pace along the fence using her wrestling but also as i said showing improvement in her striking i i really enjoyed the fight uh misha tate took the victory via unanimous decision we all know misha and ronda are going to do their best to hype up this fight it is their third outing maybe the third times a charm for misha tate but i think ronda rousey's just on a different level at this point uh, we're going to see how far ahead she is with her striking this weekend when she faces Becca Hea. Obviously, in her case, um, the striking definitely is going to be... Um, it could be a detriment only because Cahea is a better striker than Ronda, but Ronda's also been doing a lot of hand work with her hands, uh, really, really showing improved striking. Uh, you could see it in all the stuff that's shared on social media, very crisp. Uh, a lot of good power shots as well. So I think we're going to see an inev the inevitable stand-up war to start things out. But if things get a little too treacherous, we know that Ronda Rousey can take it to the ground like this. Uh, Ronda is my pick for this weekend only because I feel that she is in, a, in another level. And the only fight at this point that makes sense for me are two fights. Holly Holm, who... You know, comes to, is in the UFC currently and is, you know, building up quite a, a little resume for herself. But 
Of course, the big one is Chris Cyborg. And the reason I say that is because Chris Cyborg, a lot of personal animosity, a lot of anger, a lot of beef between both women. And that fight has the potential to not only sell out wherever it goes, but it's a fight that's going to get tons of mainstream exposure because, like I said, the beef is real and fights that have real beef thrive in, in atmospheres like this where the fans know both fighters, have their own, have their own take on which fighter they feel is superior. It's a, it's, a, it's a fight that needs to happen, and if they were smart, they would, they would have tried to angle that fight to happen sooner rather than later. Ronda Rousey's gone on record as saying that she's going to fight uh, Beck Cahaya. She's going to win. She's going to fight Misha Tate. She's going to win, and then she's going to go and film a movie with Mark Wahlberg. Obviously, make whatever jokes you will, but you can't, you can't dispute the fact that Ronda Rousey is, is on, a, on a whole other level right now, so the shit-talking is to be expected. All right, so the UFC bantamweight title bout saw TJ Dillashaw, of course, the champion, defending his belt against former champion Henan Barrow. And I got to tell you, TJ Dillashaw, just he, the guy looked on another level this fight. He had amazing conditioning. His striking was top-notch. And he was fighting a guy who at one point had, had an amazing, amazing record. Yeah, even now, you look at Henan Barrow, he is 33-2 and two coming into this fight. So the guy's been fighting for, for a long time. He's a seasoned veteran. Uh, TJ Dillashaw, is, he came in at 11-2, and two, and he just showed a, a, a completely different level, not only of striking, but of conditioning. In every aspect of that fight, TJ Dillashaw looked like he was just toying with Henan Barrow. Not to take anything away from Barrow, because as I said, he has an incredible pedigree and a great resume, but TJ Dillashaw... Just all, everything came together. The training camp with Dwayne Ludwig, um, just the conditioning, the way he came into the fight. He was smiling. He was excited. And he really showed that he was ready to be talked about in the pound-for-pound pound, uh, conversation. He is striking, like I said, elite level, crisp, solid, and just a pleasure to watch. So I really enjoyed the card as a whole, I think. Every fight or the majority, I'd like to say at least 75% of the fights on that card were tremendous. A lot of great finishes, a lot of really, really eye-opening moments for some fighters. Even Paul Felder, like I said, even though he lost that fight with Edson Barboza, he got on a lot of people's radar, uh, definitely impressed me, made a fan out of me, and I'm going to definitely be tuning into his fights. Uh, Jessica I, even though she's a solid fighter, Misha Tate, showed improvement across the board. Will it be enough to dethrone Ronda if they square off? That remains to be seen as we need to get past her fight this weekend. All right, so let's switch gears, jump into the MMA news of the week. A couple of items that need to be discussed. Of course, the uh, $50,000 bonuses that were handed out at the event. Um, Tom Lawler, of course, took one for his incredible knockout. Uh, TJ Dillashaw, a no-brainer, and fight of the night went to Edson Barboza and Paul Felder. Again, well-deserved bonuses, great competition across the board, a tremendous night of fights. Um, If you get a chance and there's a replay, I definitely recommend at least seeing TJ Dillashaw and Henan Barrow square off because that fight alone was worth the cost of admission. And on free TV, you couldn't beat it. That's for damn sure. 
Anyway, as I said earlier on in the segment, this weekend, Ronda Rousey defends her bantamweight title against Beck Cahaya. Um, the co-main event will be Antonio Rogerio Noguera. He's going to be taking on Shogun. Prepare yourselves for a fucking war. Those guys are going to go out there and beat the holy hell out of each other for our enjoyment, and it's going to be a pleasure to watch. Also, you're going to get the finale, um, the two tournament finals for the Ultimate Fighter Brazil Season 4, the Bantamweight Tournament Final and the, and the Lightweight Tournament Final will be contested on Saturday night. Also, Little Nog will be on that card as well. He will be taking on Stefan Struve. Again, um, definitely just tremendous, tremendous uh, fights across the board. Stefan Struve, of course, the skyscraper, uh, a very fun prospect to watch. How he fares against one of the Nogueras remains to be seen. Also, Jessica Aguilar, Claudio Gade- Claudia Gadeja is your opener. And, of course, you got the prelims on Fox Sports 1 with the main event of the prelims being Neil Magny taking on the always dangerous Damian Maya. So if you guys want to tune into that, that card, uh, the pay-per-view portion starts at 10 p.m. The prelims you can watch on Fox Sports 1 at 8 o'clock, and the early prelims will be available on UFC Fight Pass starting at 7 p.m. All right, so last week we had a very, very deep conversation with regards to um, Jacob Stitch Duran, and um, we're going to get into that. Somebody was asking me about the video. There is video, so for those of you that don't know, uh, scroll down, and you'll be able to see video. Uh, The alternate player is on the bottom of the screen. Just scroll down. Otherwise, you can use the, uh, the audio feed via Mixler. All right, so as I was saying, Last week, we had a very, very, very extended conversation about, well, I had an extended conversation with all of you (laughs) about the departure of Jacob Stitch Duran. Uh, Many fighters, many fans were heartbroken to see one of the UFC's veterans, veteran cut man, uh, Stitch Duran, essentially be fired from the organization due to commentary he made about the Reebok deal. Now, a lot of fighters went on record uh, really, really heartbroken, upset, and angry at the dismissal of you know one of their favorite cut men. Dana White addressed this in the post-UFC um, on Fox 16 press conference. And before I get into exactly what he said, it pains me to say that Dana White could give less of a fuck what you guys think. He didn't give a shit. He essentially said that, you know, we didn't cut him, you know, he got cut. And we weren't really friends. If he thought we were friends, he was mistaken. That's pretty much the short answer. But I'm going to give you guys exactly what he said. (laughs) Val says, when did Dana ever give a fuck? I got two words for you. Connor and Rhonda. (laughs) That's the only time Dana gives a fuck. And you guys know I'm right about that. (laughs) Anyway, so, you know, he was asked about the possibility of Jacob Stitch Duran ever coming back. To the organization and he said the following and I quote he won't be coming back the crazy thing is first of all we have 10 cut men that work here at the UFC we have 10 Lorenzo and I decided that we would hire cut men for the fighters early on when we started when we bought the UFC 
We brought in Stitch, but Stitch, unfortunately, needs to learn the meaning of the word friend. Exactly what he said. Stitch and I were never friends. We were work associates. We came up together in the boxing world, and when we hired Cutmen, he was one of the guys that we brought in here. Friends are people who call you on the phone and you hang out with them or talk to them on the phone all the time. Friends are people you call and just, you know, chill with. Don House, who is one of our cut men, he and I are very close and still are. But Stitch was never my friend. Period. That's what he said. When asked about, you know, Stitch saying that Dana White should have called him, he said, I never dealt with the cut men, ever. We have a department for that. We weren't friends, we're not friends, and no, he shouldn't be expecting a call from me. If he's my friend, why didn't he reach out to me? If we were such good friends and all that, he should have. That's that. So Dana White definitely with an exclamation point regarding the firing of Jacob Stitch Duran. Um, again, it's, it's, it's a very, very touchy situation and the reason i say this is because there's three schools of thought and people people look at the most obvious jacob stitch duran and mo and the bulk of the ufc cut men all had their little side sponsorship deals that they wore on their vests when reebok partnered with the ufc they established a deal with ufc fighters key term here being ufc fighters not cut men but the terms of that deal required that a ufc fighters and their corner men would wear reebok gear the cut men being representatives of the ufc will have to wear fucking reebok now if it's a question hey we had sponsorship deals and now we're not being paid reebok should have cut a deal with us okay again Two schools of thought there. First school of thought is that if you go to work, when you get hired, they say to you, this is what you should wear to work, depending on your environment. Office casual, you know, business, uh, business casual, regular casual attire with restrictions or full professional suit and tie. We know this. Any of us that work in, in, a, in a job nowadays have some sort of a dress code. If you don't, then more power to you. I'll give you guys an example. My company, from, from my real job, you know, um, has a dress code in play in the early days. And it was office casual. Basically, some sort of a, sla a pair of khakis or slacks, a um, button-down shirt or a polo shirt had to be tucked in, had to, you, you could wear loafers or dress shoes or whatever, and it was specifically in the manual. That's what it was, and that's how it stayed. When my company was sold, they changed the dress code, and we were allowed to come in. Again, we could wear jeans every day, not just Fridays, and polo shirts or button-down shirts, no T-shirts with graphics. You could wear sneakers, but again, nothing too crazy. Again, with restrictions. Uh... After the latest acquisition and the way that my company was was altered, now we can wear regular casual clothes because the office I'm in does not have visitors on a consistent basis. And when they do, 
the first thing that goes out is an email. Hey, we're going to have visitors. You can't come in here in a Mortal Kombat t-shirt and shorts and sneakers. You got to come in in slacks or jeans with dress shoe, with shoes and a uh, polo shirt. That's just the way it is. When the UFC announced their partnership with Reebok, it's a no-brainer that if you're on camera or representing the organization, you're going to have to wear Reebok, period. Now, if the Cutmen had their deals and their side sponsorships and it worked for them and the UFC was cool with that, then so be it. But you knew that it was inevitable that as soon as Reebok took over, everything would get changed. On top of the fact that, again, the organization now has a quote-unquote dress code, which applies to everyone. This is the same stuff that we've seen in WWE where they tell their superstars, you got to dress in a suit if, if you're going to an interview or you're going to be representing the company publicly unless it's part of your gimmick, i.e. The Undertaker, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. And even then, that stuff has changed because you see that whenever it's something formal, the only guy that didn't give a shit about that was CM Punk, but that's, that's a separate story. But again, same thing applies. Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NFL, they all have different standards of dress. Am I upset that Jacob Stitch Duran got fired? Absolutely, just because if everybody would have talked shit out, maybe things would have been different. But... On the same token, you have to look at the fact that you're representing the organization and now they have standards in place that they expect you to abide by. Now, of course, people are going to reach out and they're going to say, but Rich, you know, these guys are independent contractors, blah, blah, blah. Yes, that logic, I'm not going to debate it with any of you. But again, you sign a contract. You're representing the organization. Your conduct, the way you carry yourself, what you do, that affects the organization in a detrimental fashion will surely get you canned. And doing an interview saying that the Cutman essentially got fucked by Reebok, who is a, who is a UFC partner, is not going to do you any favors. And again, that's not downplaying the firing of Stitch Duran, but it's also looking at it from both sides. Simple as that. Was Dana White a dick? Sure. Definitely is. 90% of the time. But... This is what happens when you have the face of your organization becoming a bigger entity than the organization at large. As I said, I'm bummed about what happened with Stitch Duran, but I got to look at it from both sides. As always, you guys got any comments, questions, feel free to share them in the chat or call in 347-324-3541. All right, in some fight card news, I got to tell you guys, we got another event around the corner. UFC Fight Night 73 is on August 8th in Nashville. Uh, the main event for that card, Ovin St. excuse me, OSP taking on Glover Teixeira. Uh, Benil Dariush is taking on Michael Johnson, which I think is going to be a solid, solid fight. Uh, Derek Brunson is also on that card. And if you're looking for the prelims, those are going to be on UFC Fox Sports 2, excuse me, on Fox Sports 2, the UFC prelims. And Sarah McMahon is on that card taking on Amanda Nunes. And Uriah Hall is also fighting in the prelims. Again, Fight Night 73 goes down August 8th. Uh, the main card will be on Fox Sports 1 at 10 p.m. The prelims will be on Fox Sports 2 
at 8 p.m. Eastern for all the times. All right. Two weeks ago, before we took our brief break, we were talking about Josh Koscheck now being signed to Bellator. Now, obviously, the big thing that we all joked about was his inevitable collision course with Paul Semtex Daily, which we know is going to happen at some point because that's free money on the table. Plus, who doesn't want to see Josh Koscheck get punched in the face? <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure many of you would be raising your hands right now if you could. Well, now that he is aligned with Bellator, it, is, it was a matter of time before, it was only a matter of time before Josh Koscheck made disparaging remarks about his former organization which he did, and most of the focus for his venom and vitriol was, of course, UFC President Dana White. He said, and I quote, in an interview with Bleacher Report, he said the following, How can you respect a guy that runs a company and goes on Twitter rants and calls, and calls people the names that he calls them? I think it's childish. You're supposed to be the president of a major company, a billion-dollar company, and that's how he acts. You don't see Roger Goodell doing things like that. You won't see Scott Coker, Bellator CEO, coincidentally, going on Twitter and telling people they look goofy or fat. Or, we got that many years out of you, thanks for your money. Come on, it's embarrassing. I don't want to work for a guy like that. He went on to say, this is just my opinion, but I think Dana is the front boy for the Fertitas. He's their little Aaron bitch. They're losing fans every day because of the things he does. The UFC has done a great job. They built this sport. They put a lot of dollars in, and they took a lot of risk. I can respect the fact that Dana White works his ass off, but there are other things that I can't respect. Uh, definitely powerful words from Josh Koscheck, and it goes back to what I was saying, where the face of your organization sometimes becomes a bigger entity than the organization itself. Uh, for me personally, and I've said this numerous times, business business wise, Dana White's business acumen is is up there. Definitely shades of Vince McMahon. Uh, definitely the the eccentricness, the the combativeness is there. But and I've said this before, and many of you have said it as well. Dana White sometimes gets himself in over his head. Uh, there was a recent exchange on Twitter between him and a 14 year old boy which a lot of people were like, dude, you're arguing with a, you're the, you're the president of a company arguing with a 14 year old boy on Twitter that called you a scumbag or whatever he called you. And, and again, it happens. If you own your own business in some capacity, your patience will get tested, whether it's by upper management, meaning your business being owned in partnership with others, middle management, subordinates, uh, customers, there's always that moment where someone is going to push your buttons. And as a testament to that, sometimes you got to swallow your pride and say to yourself, how will, the, how will my response hurt my business? In Dana White's case, since he's such a fucking huge entity, he sometimes forgets. It's like, dude, you, some of the stuff you say can hurt your business. And yeah, you guys are still selling out arenas and making shitloads of money, and you're creating stars occasionally, and I say that stars in quotes because those guys are pretty much carrying the ball themselves, but alas, you are your own worst enemy in a lot of situations, and there's more and more and more fighters 
both in the organization and outside of the organization that feel that way and have said it in some capacity. Whether it's a, a guy like Josh Koscheck who left the organization or a guy like Jose Aldo who's in the organization and is getting shit on left and right by the president of the organization. It's, it's insane. It really, really is insane. Now, it's funny. I got a uh, communique, and I should have uh, muted my phone, from uh, Black, James Blackstone, and um, who many of you have seen his pictures on our Instagram. Uh, he says, at least Dana White is strong enough to be himself instead of pretending. I agree. Like I said, I don't, I don't dislike Dana White. I think that his personality is great. But sometimes, being the face of an organization, you got to measure your words carefully. You're being, you know, you being in the spotlight is sometimes taking the spotlight away from your organization and the fighters that bring you money. I'm, I'm serious. Is there a need to go out there and, and you know, exchange Twitter jabs with a, with a kid because he called you out? I mean, yeah, sure. Some people say that the kid was in the right. Others say that the kid was in the wrong. Whatever the case may be, it's like it's like you're a grown ass man. It's the president of a company. And if you want to respond, respond in a way that you're like, all right, here, this, and, and move on. And I'm, and I'm only citing that because that was the news bite. That was the news that floated around regarding the UFC this week. Instead of talking about, you know, Ronda's fight or, you know, what's going on with John Jones or anything else, everybody was talking about Dana White exchanging verbal jabs What a 14-year-old kid. Now, of course, uh, Blackstone's next communique was, I'll beat the fuck out of a 14-year-old. And um, we can can laugh at that, but being being at the forefront of any business, whatever it may be, and being in the public eye opens you up to incessant amounts of scrutiny. So, amounts, not amounts. (laughs) Um, You know, just huge amounts of scrutiny. So, why put yourself out there and... And, and be, be a pain in the ass. Just, you know, run your business. Run it, make a shitload of money, and swim in your vault like Scrooge McDuck. Simple as that. Anyway, in talking about veteran UFC fighters, you know, we talked about Josh Koscheck. I'm going to talk about another guy who was on that same season of The Ultimate Fighter with Josh Koscheck and is a guy who was both the gift and the curse of that season of The Ultimate Fighter. And I say this, because the guy was exciting to watch, but was a complete fucking head case. This guy, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Lieben. Now, many of you know Chris Lieben as the hothead, always drunk lunatic on the first season of The Ultimate Fighter that had beef with pretty much everyone, but particularly Josh Koscheck. Now, of course, Chris Lieben's had... Um, a storied history of, of different types of problems, both psychological and of the substance abuse variety. But things got a little crazy with the news that came out this week. MMA Junkie reported that um, Chris Lieben was arraigned on July 23rd after an incident this past June where he broke into his ex's apartment in San Diego. Police were called and they discovered a loaded 45 on her bed. Uh, Kalina Lieben filed a restraining order which claimed that Lieben woke her up at 3 a.m. banging on the door. He then allegedly tried to, cl- tried to climb a wall of their apartment complex to get in- onto the balcony. 
causing her to flee to a neighbor's apartment. This all goes down after a claim that Lieben sent her a, a text threatening her father's life. Craziness. She also said that an M16 was found by the building's management. Lieben claims the gun is hers. He was recently interviewed by an NBC affiliate, and he said, The fact of the matter was I was trying to move out. The stress of law school was getting to her, and she was physically and emotionally abusive to me. Due to this, uh, due to this latest uh, legal mishap, uh, Chris Lieben faces 16 counts that include one felony charge of possession of an assault weapon, as well as 11 counts of disobeying a court order. The public affairs officer for the DA said that Lieben could face up to 16 years and eight months in prison if convicted on all charges. Although she did go on to say that the, of the felony charges, a much more representative number of his true maximum could be three years and eight months. Of course, Kalina Lieben went on to say that Lieben has been mentally ill and addicted to opiates and steroids. She claims that she went into the emergency room in 2011 when he pushed her into the wall. Lieben claims that she was drunk and high and that she injured herself. The report also noted that Lieben was arrested earlier for uh, earlier in the month during his 35th birthday celebration. Chris Lieben has been retired from MMA since January of 2014. It's it's heartbreaking to see something like this. Uh, Chris Lieben's been a guy that that's you know it's been public record that he's been dealing with with issues of the substance variety uh, for quite some time, and um, you know he tried to get help. Who knows if he did or he didn't? But it's just it's just always troubling to me. And I've talked about this before, uh, both for MMA and wrestling. When when these guys they come out of the business and. You know that sometimes sometimes they mismanage their money or they got into bad habits, and because of that, it ends up just just hurting not only them but their families and their significant others as well. And um, it's troubling, man. I hope that that Lieben gets his shit together. Hopefully, he doesn't get the 16 years that they're talking about, and um, he can move on from this. Obviously, the uh, poster boy for MMA bad behavior, John Copenhaver, War Machine. Uh, you definitely don't want to be anywhere near associated with that guy, especially after all the stuff that went on with him. But um, hopefully Lieben will get it together. Hopefully in the next few months we can report something a little more positive and not just, hey, Lieben is going to jail for 16 years. So we'll see what happens. Of course, if I hear anything else, I will share it with you guys. Now the last bit of MMA news to wrap things up, Involves Vanderlei Silva. Now, if you've been following Vanderlei Silva as much as I have, just because I'm a fan of his fighting style, and I really, I really just like the, you know, his approach to mixed martial arts, then you'll know that Vanderlei Silva and the UFC aren't exactly on very, very amicable terms at this point. Uh, primarily because of him running out from the fucking drug test. And pretty much derailing the fight between him and Chael, which we knew wasn't going to happen anyway. In any case, uh, he's been saying disparaging remarks about the UFC for quite some time, including um, the allegations that the UFC fixed fights. Well, the UFC got tired of the bullshit and has filed a lawsuit against um, Vanderlei Silva, stating 
that the suit is for intentional misconduct. Of course, he's like I said, he's been making defamatory accusations for quite some time, including, like I said, fixing fights. But the crazy thing is Vanderlei is still under contract with the UFC and is serving a suspension for running away from the Nevada State Athletic Commission. Now, Vanderlei essentially said that he was retired and wanted out of his UFC deal, but the UFC is keeping him under lock and key until his contract is up because they don't want Vanderlei fighting for another organization. So uh, very, very crazy shit going on with Vanderlei and the UFC. Uh, very, very strong allegations that they fix fights. We'll see how it pans out. I'm sure that, you know, some agreement will be reached. Maybe, you know, they'll put a gag order. He can't go saying disparaging things about the organization. Maybe that's what he's hoping for so that he can use that to leverage a release of his contract. Again, it's one of those things where people are, you know, they're, they're, they're going to follow this and they're going to draw their own conclusions. But, um, you know, it's, it's crazy. Now, um, Blackstone sent me a brand new communique. Uh, says, uh, I met a former UFC fighter whose name I will omit that told me that exact same thing. That's why he quit. Do you see they fix fights and certain people get pushes just like wrestling. Now, I, it's interesting that he, he shared that and I'm going to go into this and say this. Mixed martial arts and MMA, and I've said this all the time. Hell, it's one of the reasons why I grouped them together when I started my take radio in 2006. Uh, the fact is that the sports are very, very similar. Except one, as far as I know, does not have predetermined outcomes and the other one does. But the politics, the, you know, the, the drug use, all that shit, it's out there. It is out there. Some of it is obvious and public. Some of it is not. The favoritism is, is fucking apparent. If you, if you don't see that, you definitely need to get your eyes checked. But the fact is that it's, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, the, you know, Val says all real fighting has instances or examples of fixing fights. Yes, I, I, can, I can agree with that. But the reason I say this and the reason that I, that I cite MMA and wrestling together is because the fans are so against each other in instances. So, so you know, they, they, they're always at odds because MMA fans feel that wrestling encroaches on MMA, vice versa. And I, I personally feel that the parallels are, are extremely similar, albeit, you know, obviously with no fixed outcomes. And I say that in quotes. The fact is that people will always, always, always look at the sport of mixed martial arts and the sport of professional wrestling, and they will be linked either because of the crossover of athletes or just because of the way the presentation is handled for various promotions. Hell, if you saw the last Bellator card with Kimbo Slice and Ken Shamrock, it felt like watching an episode of fucking Nitro. It felt like I was watching Thursday Night Thunder you know, WCW, just, the, you know, the big screen, the over-the-top rapping, the crazy, the crazy videos, the, the angles that Bellator has done. All I got to say is Tito Ortiz against Stefan Bonner with uh, Justin McCulley wearing a mask on his fucking face. It was, it was insane. And again, quote-unquote, real fighting. So the parallels are always there. 
They're always going to be there. The fixing of fights is always something that's going to be talked about. Hell, they've t- they spoke about it at length in numerous forums that a lot of the fights in Pride were fixed and that certain guys were pushed more than others because they made a shitload of money. I mean, it's always been said. Can it can or can it not be? Can it be proven? Who knows? But that was always a cloud that hung over Pride that certain fights were fixed. I mean, people joked about a lot of Bob Sapp's fights and the fact that Bob Sapp uh, would take a dive on a regular basis. You know, there's always been that stuff. The, 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 the stuff is there. The allegations are always there. And it's something that's always going to be intertwined between both sports for different reasons. With wrestling, it's always going to be about not so much the fixed outcomes, but the drug use and other aspects of the business that people, you know, they just they, they share very strong opinions about. On the MMA side of things, it's always going to be the poor promotion, uh, the way that the sport is presented, uh, the quote-unquote barbaricness, depending on who you ask. There's always going to be these parallels. On the contrary, I'd be more shocked if Vanderlei Silva actually exposed something legitimate and the UFC got in big fucking trouble. Like... That would surprise me more than just the allegation of fixing fights. Because, like I said, it's been, it was rumored in Pride. It's been rumored in Bellator once or twice. You know, it's, it, that, that's how it goes. Blackstone says, People seem to forget that the NBA referees got caught fixing games and gambling on the outcomes. Do you think that, the, that it's the only sport that happens in? Wherever there are large sums of money involved, there's always going to be some shit under the table going down. The NBA refs are a great example, and he beat me to it because I was going to say Pete Rose. Pete fucking Rose. You know, a guy who, who's, who's you know, bet, bet on games, a, a, a great athlete, but a guy that bet on games that was pretty much, you know, expelled from the sport. Pete Rose is a great example. And, again, even in baseball, there's other types of cheating. Besides gambling and shit, there's, there's, you know, there's cheating in that sport. All I gotta say is Maguire, Sosa, and the home run and the home run war. Those guys were the centerpiece of the sport. Fuck, they were responsible for the resurgence of the sport. Both of them. Anybody that says that baseball did not benefit from whatever quota, you know, extracurricular activities that those guys did is full of shit. Facts. Before, before the home run race between Sosa and Maguire, baseball was popular and it was America's game as it always is, but it wasn't, it wasn't at the pinnacle like it was when the home run derbies went, the home run battle went down between Maguire and Sosa. It's fucking crazy. It's insane. But again, there's always people that want to, you know, get on the pulpit or, or get on the high horse and assume that, you know, everything is squeaky clean and it's just, it's just, you know, disparaging remarks about the sport. Let's not kid each other. Shit is crooked. That's the way it is. That's the way it always will be. And sometimes it's just a matter of getting caught with your hand in the cookie jar. Simple as that. Anyway, with that said, that is actually going to wrap up the MMA for this week. So um, it would be apropos to use the following clip. So you know what? Fuck it. Let's go with it. Booker T, take it away. <laughs> we want the gold, sucker. Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, nigga. <laughs> We're going up tonight to get the 
Now, let's not kid ourselves. We know that we're going to um, we're going to talk a little bit about race in this segment. We're going to talk about it quite a bit. So, before before anyone decides that that it's it's too it's too strong of a subject for them realize that we are a source of entertainment and then the views expressed do not reflect the views of anyone else but me not our sponsors not our advertisers hell not even the rest of our staff it's called my take radio for a reason and we're going to we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about race we're going to talk about the context of the quote-unquote N-word. We're going to get into that and how it was used and how people are jumping in front of, of trains regarding the Hogan situation and how it has divided people who I know personally as friends for a multitude of reasons. Some are, they feel that the way Hogan, the Hogan situation was handled was excessive. Others felt that it was it was well deserved, and we're going to get into that. We're going to acknowledge both sides, and the reason I want to say that is because there are valid points to each person's argument. Plus, I did pose some questions in the Facebook group, which I want to get into as well. So, again, if you want to participate, 347-324-3541, feel free to call in. Share your thoughts. Make sure to hit option one. Uh, otherwise, you can participate in the chat. Use our uh, mtrlive.com URL, and the chat room is there for that purpose. Now, uh, from what I've heard, the uh, the mic volume was a little loud, so um, I'm going to bring that down a bit. i try to anyway. And, um, yeah, so... Let's let's get the, the the softer stuff out of the way. Let's talk about Raw this past week. Uh, this past episode of Raw continued the solid solid trend of good good wrestling, good wrestling. And the reason I say this is because it was it was solid. It really was. It was very well done. It was very well executed. And above all, it was you know it, it was it delivered the goods. The way it should have. Now, the thing that got me about this episode of Raw was the fact that it continued the resurgence of the quote-unquote diva revolution, which I want to get into. But I actually want to talk about some of the the higher points, and as usual, like I said, the lower points, without recapping every match. Now, I want to acknowledge Dean Ambrose's match with The Big Show. Now, you guys know my thoughts on The Big Show. I think that The Big Show has reached a point where his services in the ring are honestly, in my opinion, no longer required. I'm serious. The reason I say this is because the Big Show has reached the stage in his career where he'd be a good bodyguard, a guy that, that has the presence but doesn't need to be in the ring on a consistent basis. The reason I say this is because the caliber of wrestlers that are currently on the roster at this point do not have the capacity, not yet anyway, most of them, to carry the Big Show to a big match. And on the Big Show, to the Big Show's credit, he is not at a stage either where he can carry guys that are subpar to a decent match. So I feel that the Big Show would have benefited from being, honestly, 
the director of operations and not Kane. But again, being the director of operations, but not being in the ring either. Period. Anyway, the Big Show had a match with Dean Ambrose to start the night off, and the match wasn't terrible. It was, uh, it was solid. There were there were good things about it. It really succeeded in making Dean Ambrose a, uh, you know, just a pivotal uh, underdog in the situation. I saw shades of of how they were booking Daniel Bryan, just him not wanting to stay down, and um, you know, trying to take it to the big guy, and it was fine. I just felt that Dean Ambrose is at a stage in his in his run where you don't need to play that type of scrappy guy against the big show. On the contrary, you have a U.S. title and an IC title that need contenders. The U.S. title has quite a few. The IC title is a fucking vacuum because Ryback is injured. But Ambrose is at a stage where we should be grooming this guy for the upper card. And relegating him to an opening match with the Big Show is not the move, at least not in my opinion. Simple as that. The match was passable for what it was, but I think it would have been better with somebody else in the role of the Big Show. The other match I want to acknowledge was Neville's match with Fandango. Now, if you guys have been watching WWE Swerve, which is the equivalent of WWE's version of Jackass, you'll know that Fandango is quite a funny motherfucker. He's a funny dude, and um, he's he's pretty much got lost in the sh- in the shuffle, much like Adam Rose after the E60 special. And he went out there. He had a pretty solid match with Adrian Neville. Obviously, the big purpose of that match was the angle advancement with his feud with Stardust, which is for all intents and purposes leading to the inevitable showdown with Stephen Amell, aka the Arrow or Green Arrow, in some capacity. The, the the announced team referenced it. Uh, Stardust did a great job driving the point home. If and when it happens, I'm sure that the fans are going to enjoy it. But Stardust and Neville, again, are two guys that are primed and ready to be a force in the upper card. And they should be feuding for a title in some capacity and not just having a throwaway feud that the main payoff is going to be getting an actor to come in and 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 wrestle they, they really should not be done that's all i'm saying now the divas took center stage with Paige and sasha banks having a pretty damn good match it's funny because i joked a couple of months back that Paige essentially uh lost her wrestling ability when she had to come to the main roster and work the divas it's pretty much it when Paige came up to the main roster she her her wrestling ability took a dive and um, because of that, they, uh, you know, I really was looking forward to seeing her mix it up with the Divas. And her going in there with Sasha Banks, we got to see how good Paige's ability really, really is. And we joke about this because everybody said Paige was going to forget how to wrestle the minute that she had to learn the WWE Diva style. And sure as shit, that's what happened. But when you put her in there with Sasha Banks or you put her in there with Charlotte or you put her in there with Becky Lynch, aha, aha, you get you get magic. And that's what happened. You had a really good match. Um, this is, again, just scratching the surface of what these ladies could do. But it was good to see Paige actually involved in a match that didn't involve hair pulling and bullshit, but a legitimate 
wrestling match, legitimate from start to finish. And even though uh, Sasha Banks did get the victory, it was essential. I know some people are like, damn, you know, Paige is in this fucking feud and she already took the L. Sasha Banks is the NXT Women's Champion. She is the cream of the crop for that, that aspect, you know, for that brand. You're not going to go out there and job her out on the regular. A loss didn't hurt Paige because, on the contrary, we got to see some really, really, really good wrestling. We got to see good wrestling. And that, in my opinion, did more for Paige than any victory could have done. Because everybody just assumed that Paige was going to work the WWE style, and it was going to be all bullshit, and it wasn't. It was a good, concise, hard-hitting match with good spots. As usual, Slick, I, I, I can't even say that. that. That would just be the wrong thing to say. <laughs> it's amusing, but you know I, can't, I damn well can't say that. Anyway, um, like I said, the match, the match was surprisingly good. It really was. Um, we did get a, a, an, an angle, a segment, if you will, if you even want to call it that, with Rusev, Summer Rae, and Lana. Now, Rusev, we all know, is out there trying to become relevant, and he has Prissy Hen with him, that being Summer Rae, who looks like a fucking bird. And um, obviously, with Dolph Ziggler's throat injury, which is really him off filming a movie, we knew that we needed to have Lana on television somehow. So there's no better way for, than for Lana to go out there and um, mix it up with Summer Rae. And for some reason, a fucking fish was involved. A fish, a, a, a real fish was pulled out of a box by Rusev. First, he gave her a gift, and then he goes, I am giving you fish. You see this fish? This fish like Lana. <laughs> this fish like Lana. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? All right. It was, it was funny. But what I expected was for Lana to hit Summer Rae with the fish. I needed, I needed someone to be hit with a fish like, like, a, like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. I needed her to take the fish like a fucking bat and slap her in the face with it. Slap her in the face. With the fish, but unfortunately we didn't get that. We got the uh, the 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 uh, the takedown from Lana and the 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 facial mush of Summer Rae into the fish, which obviously did not happen. But um, again, it was it was one of those things where I understood the intention. I knew where they were going, and obviously, you know, both both women are are loved by the fans for different reasons. Obviously, Summer Rae exudes uh, shades of Stacey Keebler. A lot of people have said that. She is Stacey Keebler from the waist down. From the neck up, she is uh, Heckle and Jekyll. She is a fucking vulture with a voice. But from the, from, from the, from the waist down, Stacey Keebler. From the neck up, bird. <laughs> Period. Now... Again, I don't take anything away from Summer Rae as a wrestler because she can wrestle, but I can't. I can't look at her and not not just see yes, not see the bird, not see Rusev is essentially fog, Foghorn Leghorn in this situation. <laughs> she really is. You know, who she reminds me of too. Do you guys remember the Green Aliens 
that used to be with Marvin the Martian in some of the Bugs Bunny cartoons. The ones with, like, the droopy face that would walk around. They never spoke. Those green fucking things. She looks like one of those fuckers. It's like, a, it's like an adult Go-Go Dodo from Tiny Toons, if you guys remember that, that reference. Um, it's like, but odio but odio do I'm like, I'm like, yo, why is this chick's, why does her nose look like a beak? Like a legit beak. Why? Why? But again, not taking anything away from her from, you know, the neck down. Because obviously, very attractive lady. But face like a bird. Face like a fucking bird. Seriously. Fucking stork face killer. It's terrible. Anyway, so... The Lucha Dragons took on the Matadors in what was a very, very good match that was overshadowed by Titus O'Neil being an animal on the mic. He was, he was a psychopath on the mic. For those of you that are not longtime viewers of My Take Radio, let me, let me explain something to you. The Matadors are Puerto Rican cousins that were related to Carlito, obviously now relegated to essentially looking like Toad from Mario Brothers or Ninja Turtles, and they are, quote-unquote, Spanish bullfighters. So if you were watching Raw Monday night, Titus O'Neil decided to go into business for himself, and he said, uh, I got a question for you, JBL. Where exactly in Puerto Rico are there bullfighters? He was that was he he goes where in Puerto Rico exactly are there bullfighters? And I had to stop what I was doing and I laughed for 5 minutes and JBL's like look it up. Look it up on Wikipedia. Look it up and he's like No, no, no. I want to know where in Puerto Rico are there bullfighters? And JBL just was like uh yeah and of course Darren Young gets involved, and he's like, Darren, Darren, give him your catchphrase. And he's like, oh, these guys are whatever, entertainment or whatever. And then he's like, Michael Cole, you got a catchphrase, right? You got a catchphrase. And Michael Cole is like, vintage. And he said it in such a condescending, I wish I could lynch you in front of this audience tone, that I, I, had, I couldn't stop laughing. I could not stop laughing. And I know for a fact that you can hear an abrupt pause because Titus O'Neil all of a sudden goes, you know what? You know what, JBL? I think, I, I think there are bullfighters in Puerto Rico. I think I've heard of that. And I said to myself, someone yelled into that headset in the back and said, you motherfuckers, get your shit together. And that's what happened. Titus O'Neil derailed that entire match. Don't get me wrong. I had to watch the match on mute to enjoy it a second time before I, I did the show because Titus destroyed the commentary. He destroyed it, and it was wonderful. I laughed my fucking ass off. And the reason I did was because he just essentially, and this is the right time to use this, he buried the Matador gimmick. Titus O'Neil is the fucking Deadpool of the WWE. He broke the fourth wall and he said, these motherfuckers under these masks are Puerto Rican. Cut the shit. And I could, I, I couldn't, I could not stop laughing. Like I said, he was on some straight Deadpool 
hey, reader, this is a fucking stupid story. Don't pay any attention to it. It was ridiculous, and I loved every second of it. It was great. The other thing that I got to talk about, and nobody's mentioned this, is Kofi Kingston's skipping. When the New Day comes to the ring, Kofi Kingston's skipping is without a doubt the star of the fucking show. And if you guys have no idea what I'm talking about, please, please, please check that shit out. Because it is ridiculous. He comes out skipping in such a way that you cannot ignore it. Like, he's coming out and he's clapping his hands like this and shit, like like a fucking seal. It is ridiculous. Ridiculous. And every week that he's done it, I thought it was like a one-off, I'm going to be an asshole type thing. But he skips out there with Xavier Woods and, and fucking Big E, and you cannot ignore the skipping. It can't be ignored. Someone needs to make a, a, a gif or a gif, depending on how you pronounce it, of him skipping because it is out of fucking control. It is out of control. I'm like, yo, who told him that was a good idea? And the worst part is very, very few people have picked up on it. Like, I got to bring it through. I got to bring it up to people and go, yo, have you seen Kofi Kingston's fucking skipping? And they go, nah. And I go, watch Raw from, like, this past Monday. And they'll watch the skipping. And, I, and I've received text messages that say Kofi Kingston's lost his damn mind. Like, he knows he's not being pushed anywhere, so he's just going to be a complete fucking reckless fool. And you're damn right. You're right. On top of the fact that they're dancing outside of the ring after the Lucha Dragons win to, like, the Lucha Dragons music for just no reason. Because they can. It was ridiculous. Titus O'Neil gets the fucking MTR Gold Star Award for derailing a broadcast. Usually an award that I reserve for our very own Slick, who sometimes would just throw something in the chat room that just grinds everything to a halt. Uh, Titus O'Neil has taken the award from you this week, Slick. You got to step your game up. I expect Slick to come skipping down the street like Kofi Kingston the next time I see him. Period. That's your homework assignment. Anyway, we got our uh, typical Wyatt family dark promo, which pretty much... Uh, established that Luke Harper is tired of being stuck in the mid-card and he's going to go back to the shit that works. That was the promo in a nutshell. You know? And I'm and I'm serious. That was the promo. Luke, tell him how you feel. Well, I was on the mid-card. It sucked. They paired me back with uh, fucking Bizarro Sheamus. He got hurt. It sucked. And I'm back. That was that was the promo. Like, there's this big, long-winded, 10-minute fucking diatribe. It's like the short version. I had a solo run. It was okay. Then nobody gave a shit about me. Then I feuded with Dean Ambrose. Nobody gave a shit about me anymore. Then they put me back with Bizarro Sheamus. And his dumb, big, red ass got hurt. And I'm back. I'm back. That's it. Luke Harper is definitely one of the most underrated big men on the roster. He is an incredible talent that is hampered by two things. No wardrobe and only being relegated to tag team competition. Because if you took your time with him, you groomed him right, 
you could have the next phenom. You can have the next Kane because he has the mic work, the ring work, and the and the ethic to to put together a complete package. But because the guy dresses like a homeless guy that sleeps in Penn Station, it, that's all you think of. I think that guy's been wearing the same T-shirt since he debuted in wrestling. Period. Like at least they gave him a a, a pretty clean, decent button down. But that but that stained wife beater underneath is some straight. Penn Station urinal smelling garbage. Period. <laughs> Donnie goes, you couldn't put him in regular ring attire, maybe a singlet. Uh, shout out to Don Anderson, of course, tumbling with tumbleweed. Uh, make sure to check that out. Slick says he dresses like he sleeps on a leaky waterbed filled with piss. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Anyway. Moving on, our next Divas match, of course, Charlotte, Becky Lynch. Um, a, a pretty good match, which ended with Alicia Fox. Everybody thought that Nikki Bella was going to, to compete in this match. Of course, you got to throw Alicia Fox in there. Uh, once again, Charlotte and Becky Lynch had a good match that was hampered by Alicia Fox. Again, Alicia Fox, pretty to look at, terrible in, not terrible in the ring. Let me, not, let me rephrase that. Let me be honest. Not terrible, but holy shit, did she look out of place in there. She, she was completely lost. I think partially because she suffered a concussion, which we'll talk about later on. But yeah, definitely not a good outing for her. That's for damn sure. So we had a match with Randy Orton and Kevin Owens. Randy Orton definitely trying to come out from the I'm a boring piece of shit phase and actually have a serviceable match with Kevin Owens. Which he did. Randy Orton had probably one of the best matches I've seen in some time with Kevin Owens. Whether it's because Randy Orton was motivated or Kevin Owens brought it out of him. Overall, it was a great match that was ruined because stupid-ass Sheamus with his stupid nose ring and shitty beard jewelry got involved. It was, it was crazy. It was cra- I'm like, I'm like why, why is Sheamus getting involved in this match? Why? No reason whatsoever except because he's feuding with Randy Orton. But why? Like, I'm serious. Like, they're feuding and shit, and they hate each other, and that's great. But did we need the DQ ending? Did we need it? No. Of course, Cesaro got involved, and everybody marked out like crazy, including yours truly, because I know that if and when Kevin Owens and Cesaro have a real fucking match, people are going to lose their minds going to lose their minds because both those guys are going to go out there and give a match that is instantly going to be a classic period everybody talks about oh kevin owens kevin owens kevin owens and it's like yeah kevin owens is great but cesaro is the man and he's the guy that nobody's really paying a lot of attention to until recently and everybody says the same thing yeah well you know cesaro's mic work Okay, that's great. But considering that The Miz was feuding with Ryback and The Big Show for no reason whatsoever, I can accept Cesaro's lack of mic work because he makes up for it with five-star fucking wrestling. Period. Chris Benoit was not the best on the mic. An incredible wrestler. Incredible. Perry Saturn, another guy. Not great on the mic. Still solid. Still solid in the ring. 
Arn Anderson barely fucking spoke was was a shooter in there. Dean Malenko, another guy. Dean Malenko looked like a fucking car salesman from Howard Beach, but that motherfucker would go in the ring and kill everybody. He'd kill him. Period. It was it was insane. Hold on a minute. I got a communique, which I got to answer. All right. So with that said, Kevin Owens, again, just an amazing wrestler. And we knew that he was going to definitely bring something out of Randy Orton. But there was no necessity for fucking Sheamus to go out there and be involved in anything. Zero. Zero reason. So, just to go to the, uh, the chat room real quick. Uh, Val says, well, Slick said Cesaro versus Cena was fucking gold. Yes, the hell it was, sir. Yes, the hell it was. Val adds Cesaro is a fucking beast. He also adds that Cesaro should be on the main card and he should have a manager. (laughs) Brock's jock washer. What the hell? (laughs) I don't even know what that that was, Val. Nobody gives a shit about Brock anymore. Heyman, I couldn't remember. Oh, (laughs) yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing James Mitchell manage Cesaro. I definitely think that would work. Anyway, let me me move this uh, uh, right along. Uh, John Cena, Seth Rollins, main event, couple of things came out of it. Number one, a stellar match. Number two, the appearance of the, spe- of the, of the Phoenix Splash. Number three, John Cena now is, he, he pretty much has two noses because he took a knee from Seth Rollins that pretty much put his nose from here over here. When Seth Rollins' knee connected with John Cena's face and that faucet of blood opened up, I was like, oh, shit. That was ridiculous. And, 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 it, and you just saw that, that, it, that John Cena was, was powering through it. Now, broken noses, they limit your vision. They, they obviously affect your breathing. And John, they still wrestled for a good 15 minutes, 15 or 20 minutes after that match which was insane. Now, obviously, Cena's work ethic is never questioned. Like, I I joke about his five moves of doom and his watered-down gimmick, but that fucking guy was a machine. Seriously. You know? John Cena took an ass-whooping and still made the match work. Made it work completely and utterly. Now, many people were upset that Seth Rollins lost because they said that it would have helped his gimmick by letting him win that title and then maybe have Cena win the other title, whatever the case may be. And yeah, there's, there's, there's situations where that is acceptable and we are going to discuss that. But the fact is that the wrong guy won, but the match was so good that the guy who won became an afterthought. John Cena has two noses, period. That's it. I was like, holy shit. Like, it was brutal. I'm sure that he's going to have to wear a face mask for the next couple of weeks. Maybe he could borrow the one that, that Cody Rhodes had and use that, and he could be handsome John Cena for a couple of weeks. But um, holy shit, what a great match. 
uh, the wrong guy, you know, the wrong guy lost in that in that situation. But John Cena's work ethic is definitely not questionable. That's for damn sure. Anyway, so um, couple of things. First off, let me let me get the ball rolling with um, a very interesting situation. Now, many of you know what happened with Hulk Hogan. I'm gonna do a recap. I know that uh, Jimmy Blackstone is on the line. I'm going to bring him on board for a second. But I'm going to say this. Hulk Hogan, for many of you that don't know, had a sex tape that was released a couple of, uh, I'd say maybe a year or two ago, uh, inadvertently, depending on who you ask, in quotes, uh, by Gawker Media, which showed him having sex with Bubba the Love Sponge's wife, Heather Clem. Now, there were allegations that um, Bubba pretty much let Hogan fuck his wife. There were other allegations that, you know, Bubba would essentially, um, you know, farm out his wife to his friends. Whatever the case may be. All, all This is, let me give you the short, short version. Hogan's wife, I mean, uh, Bubba the Love Sponge's wife was having sex with Hulk Hogan Bubba the Love Sponge recorded it, watched it in, a, in some sort of a secret room. It allegedly got out, and um, he said, you know, I didn't authorize this. I was recorded without my knowledge, blah, blah, blah. And he took Gawker to court and pretty much said that Gawker released the tape and et cetera, et cetera. And was, his job was essentially to drive Gawker into the ground and pretty much run them out of town. The president of Gawker, if you guys remember, when, when I talked about it before the story broke, said, and I quote, um, yeah, Hogan is going to take us to court, but there's more to that tape. And if this case gets any deeper, there's going to be a lot of crazy stuff that's going to come out. It's only going to get crazier. That is what he said, uh, I'd say, a week before the shit happened. A week before. And sure enough, a tape came out. When we wrapped up the show on Thursday night, everybody was like, hey, man, they deleted Hogan's profile. He's completely disappeared off the Internet, blah, blah, blah. Then I saw a transcript from Opie from O&A, well, now Opie and Jimmy, which I shared with the group, which pretty much was Hogan complaining that his wife was uh, his wife, excuse me, his daughter was dating an African-American individual who his father was a billionaire, whatever the case may be. And he's like, yeah, my wife, my daughter's fucking this, this, this black guy. And all of a sudden, you know, you know, I don't care if she's fucking him, but at least let her be having sex with like, a, you know, a basketball player or something. And it was, it was crazy. And then he said, you know, I'm a little racist. And, and he said the shit, he said the shit in the transcript. I'm a little racist. And he used the word nigger repeatedly. Yes, I said it. We're all grown-ups, and it's being said for the sake of context. So before anybody jumps on their, on their high horse, and, oh, my God, you said the N-word. Shut up. So here's what happens. He said it. Allegedly, he's, he called The Rock a half-breed nigger also. He called him Sambo. All kinds of shit. Then another video came out that he said, yeah, um, he complained about like him going to his childhood home and the person that lives in his house is gay. And there was a transcript of that. 
Then there was a transcript from a prison visit where his, from his son where he's like, yeah, you know, you're my nigga. Again, guh and gur. It's a difference of a vowel and a consonant. And it changes the entire landscape of everything. For those of you that are talking about the black dude in the picture, that was New Jack from ECW. For those of you that were, that were mentioning that in the chat room. This is, this is how it stands. WWE knew before it completely got out that this shit was bad. Bad. Now everybody says, yeah, well, Hulk, Hulk, you know, Vince McMahon said, nigga, yes. He said, what's up, my nigga? Like, old white guy trying to be hip. Not, hi, I'm standing outside of your house with a burning cross and a very, very, very big set of designer sheets covering my body. Difference. There is a fucking difference. Cut the shit, people. Different context. Oh, Barack Obama, he said, nigga, on Mark Marin's podcast. Yes, he did. But the context that it was said was not the same. And the third argument, the third. Oh, Hulk Hogan said that in the privacy of his own home. We shouldn't crucify the guy. How you carry yourself outside is a reflection of how you are for real. Period. If you're a piece of shit, you're a piece of shit. On air, off air, you are. I joke around about it. I say, hey, I'm a fucking asshole. I'm I'm an asshole during the show. I'm an asshole off air. Slick can attest to it. Blackstone can attest to it. Val, who knows me in the chat room, can attest to it. I say some foul shit. That's, That's how it is. I don't hide it. I don't acknowledge it. But for people to be apologizing and talking about, oh, the context, private conversations, go fuck yourselves. I'm being honest. Everyone on this earth has some sort of racial bias, whether it's outright or not. If you drive through a bad neighborhood and you lock your doors, if you see a group of black kids walking down the street and you cross the street, If you get cut off on the highway and the person is of any racial, uh, you know, any racial background that you can talk about, you're going to say something, period, period. Our own races are racist against each other. African-Americans that are dark skin are fucking racist against African-Americans that are light skin. That shit is real. It's fucking real. Cut the shit. Racism is racism. He got caught out there and the WWE did not want to touch the shit. Period. Now, with that said, I want to bring uh, I'm going to bring Jimmy Blackstone in. Let me take him off. Yo. What's good, Rich? What's going on, dude? No, man, touching a very short topic for me, myself, you know, I'm glad I'm coming in on this uh Hogan topic because uh, for me personally, you know, there's a few sets of groups of people in this world that I absolutely hate, and uh, I personally hate racists. And uh, what Hogan said, whether you know it was allowed or legal or you know permitted by him to record, that's no here nor there in my eyes. 
Right. The bottom line is what he said to me represents a lot of just basically corporate America. And the only reason why the WWE, in my eyes, cut the cord with him was because, A, he was talking shit about their moneymaker, The Rock. B, whether they agree with what he said or not, you'll never know. It's going to potentially, you know, fuck up their revenue. And at the end of the day, that's what corporations all about. Yep. They say it all the time as a big joke. What's best for business? Well, like kind of what you were saying before, you know, the way Dana White, White acts, you know, with his mouth, arguing with a 14-year-old, and yada, yada, yada. It's the same shit. Yep. Except they cut the cord with him because at the end of the day, you know, you have different groups of people who enjoy watching the program, and maybe some of those groups of people from different age brackets won't support it if they kept holding on, yep. whether they came out and agreed and acknowledged whatever it is that he said or believes or feels. And then the same token, you know, do I, do I not like him for what he said? Absolutely not. But at the same time, you know what? Freedom of speech, say what you want, feel how you want, just acknowledge when you come out of your mouth like that, that there's going to be repercussions and consequences. There, and maybe just not legally. I, I agree. I agree with that statement. And here, and the thing that bothers me is that everybody's coming out, well, you know, I know Hulk. Hulk is awesome. He doesn't have a racist bone in his body. Absolutely. You know how many people I'm friends with who are fucking racist, but I'm still their favorite spick? Yes, I am. And I fucking said it. Because it's true. Just because racism doesn't apply to you in your inner circle doesn't mean the shit is not mutually exclusive. Period. It's crazy. I'm curious to see if The Rock is actually going to come out and acknowledge any of this because a lot of those comments were directed towards him. Yep, I would love to see that. I would love to see that. I'd like to see... I'd personally love to see The the Rock whoop his ass in like a celebrity boxing match. (laughs) You know what the thing is, and, and you and I joked about this off air, The Rock is on such another level that he... He's probably upset about it. He's probably angry about it. But he goes to bed at night knowing that he could walk into Hogan's house and pipe his daughter in front of him because he can. You know what I'm saying? Success is the best revenge. I've met The Rock a couple of times. And from what I saw, he's a man's man. I don't think he's going to just let it slide that easily. Oh, I don't don't disagree. But I also think that he's not going to touch on it because at this moment everybody's kind of piled on when if and when he does well, it, he's going to do it in such a way that he's going to get goaded into it like what we were talking about with uh you know the action bronson shit like somebody's going to ask like hey you know what do you feel about the hogan situation it's it's imminent yeah, it's only a matter of time before he gets interviewed <laughs> and questioned about it but i'm sure he's being advised by the people around him yep <laughs> not to even discuss it right now just because of legal matters and the financial ties to the WWE Corporation and potential, you know, movies, books, signings, this, that, the other, all, all the avenues of revenue that he's involved in. Yep, I'm sure that eventually he's going to walk out of a screening or something and TMZ is going to be like, hey, 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 Rock, 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 uh, what do you think about the Hogan situation? And, you know, he's going to laugh and be like, ha, 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 uh, yeah, no comment. And he's just going to laugh and just let it slide until... Oh. He gets pushed. I don't know. I, I, you know what? I don't know if he's going to laugh it off. Like I said, that guy, 
you know what? He's very much like me where he's got a temper. He doesn't put <laughs> up with a lot of shit, you know? And you know what? He's also at a point in his life where I'm pretty sure whatever he's made and whatever he's invested, he probably wouldn't have to work another day in his life again. <laughs> this is so, true, too. you know, if The Rock, by any means, he has to show it at any time in his life, man. I love to fucking see you give fucking Hogan a good fucking five knuckles right across the mouth. Well, you want to know what's funny, and I'm, I'm glad you're here, because uh, one guy, and when we've talked about this on air, Val, Slick, anybody in the chat can attest to it, that always gets fucking dragged into racial situations is Mark Henry. Michael Hayes said some racist shit to him. That's why Mark Henry, I always say, has a tent, has pretty much a lifetime contract because Michael Hayes pretty much said some racist shit. But the other thing is that Mark Henry, there was a point where his gimmick, they were calling him the silverback on national television. You are calling a giant black man a gorilla on national TV. And, and it got to a point... Where he, oh where man, the, it's fucking even laughing at that. Nope, nope, nope. You gotta laugh because he he said it. They asked him about it. He's like, yo, what was up with that silverback gimmick? And he said it, yo, I went to management. I'm like, yo, man, I got kids. Can't be on TV having y'all call me a fucking gorilla. <laughs> Straight up. So of course they, I mean, you know what, <laughs> I, I I eat Mexican jokes all day long, being that I am part Mexican, and you know what, shit is is funny to an extent. But right. at the same time it's like you know, ah, that's, that's, that's a tough one right there. Right. And, you know, when he was asked about it, he says, unfortunately, I'm getting hounded today by media regarding my thoughts and experiences with Hulk Hogan. I'd prefer not to be thrust into this, but as the requests have been significant, I have a responsibility to make a statement of some sort, at minimum, to ease my personal burden. He said, we all know that we have a history as it relates to the company. Me and this unfortunate subject matter of racial slurs and prejudice. I don't want to or will not or and will not rehash it, but I want people to know that I do not condone racist behavior or speech of any manner. That's pretty much code for if you call me silverback, I'm fucking you up again. I do not plan to speak on what happened in my past, but I would like to offer this statement. I'm disappointed in the comments made by Terry Bollea. I've known Terry for a long time as both a work colleague and as someone I consider a friend. I'm hurt and offended that he expressed his feelings in the manner and tone that was presented on tape. I am, however, pleased that the WWE took swift action in response to his comments, and I support the position the organization is taking on this matter, a no-tolerance approach to racism. Pretty you know, a response like that, I kind of respect him, I kind of don't, because obviously it was pre-written, whether oh, yeah. by him or people around him. It's annoying just because every response is really never a real response because I don't really think that's how that person thinks or feels. It's always a response to protect whatever legal situation may occur from what you really want to say. I mean, what the fuck happened to freedom of speech? Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's 100% what it was. I mean, it did feel manufactured when I read it, but I also feel that... 100%. That when he was when he was told when he was like, hey, people keep wanting me to give a statement. WWE was probably like, yo, well, you know, we already had this racial this racial shit with you and Michael Hayes. You know, if you're gonna comment on it, keep it brief, because the shit with him and Michael yeah, Hayes you're was serious. On it, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna say what we wrote and keep it back to business. <laughs> yep, because you know you know everybody was talking about the fact that Stephanie McMahon said that eventually they're gonna start acknowledging Darren Young's gayness on tv and when i read that i said why can't you just let the guy wrestle 
Like, why does why does the dude being gay have to be imp- a part of the gimmick? Who gives a shit? Right. But again, hey, let's you know Vince McMahon. Hey, I want Darren Young to wear a dress and a wig to the ring. <laughs> yo, yo. Vince, oh, Vince, man. I don't think Titus is going to be cool with that. I don't give a fuck what Titus O'Neil says. Put on the wig. <laughs> you know? Like, that's how hey, the well, shit Vince, goes. Well, Vince, that is what goes, man. At the that's end of the day, it. he's the shot caller. That's it. You know, it's like Darren Young is probably just walking around trying to trying to exist in the locker room, you know, being a guy that came out of the closet, just trying to do his thing, cut funny promos and shit. But you know for a fact that they're like, when are you going to put on lipstick, Darren? Uh, Vince, I don't think that's a I good did. message for the gay, lesbian, and, and transgender community. Damn it, you're going to put on lipstick, damn it. Like, you know, that's, that's, how, that's what's <laughs> happening. Just Vince, just being Vince. Vince, like, everybody Vince t- is the greatest ever. Yeah, you know, it's like everybody talks about racism. Racism has been a running gag in the WWE since we were kids. All I got to say is Prince, Hake- Prince Hakeem... Not Prince Hakeem, fucking Hakeem the African Dream and Big Boss Man, the Jive Soul Bro, uh, Trash Talking Slick, Mr. Fuji, Yoko Zuna. It's all racial. Coco Beware. Look, that, that one of the main gimmicks is taking a very sensitive topic yep. or a current, a current world issue and kind of dancing around that topic, whether it be poking fun at them or yep. trying to reenact that situation, you know? I mean, it's part of the business. Let me, let me, let me tell you this. It, 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 it's, a, you know, it's all entertainment. Listen, if, if, if Vince McMahon could, and, I, and, and, and again, folks, this is satire and comedy, so don't, don't take it out of context. You know, with all the stuff going Seriously. on with Bruce Jenner, you know Vince is like, when is Darren going to start transitioning? You, you you know he's fucking trying to find a way to... We're going to tell his story, and he's going to wrestle in a dress. They've done that. It, you You know that Vince is... And, and the worst part is, you know Triple H is back there talking him off the ledge on the regular. Like, hey, let's send him out there with eyeshadow and wrestle for the woman's hey, they're title. Ready, they're, they already did the whole gold dust gimmick, right? And yeah. Everybody drew the dinosaurs. Adrian Adonis, Gold Dust. I remember Gold Dust kissing Ahmed Johnson and everybody losing their oh. shit. Oh my God, Gold Dust is gay. But think about it. Think about. Think I'm going about- to lose my shit right now. You just rehash the memory. I, I fucking did not want to fucking remember. <laughs> but, but you know what's crazy? Everybody back then, like, they got away with that back then. You get what I'm saying? Like, think about that now. <laughs> but what, what's, the, what's the difference? What's the difference? legal wise that allowed them then compared to now because if anything, back then people were not as well to me at least it seemed that people weren't as open to topics like this back then as they are now now it's like more on the open you, you hear about it more you see it more right the, well, you read the, it more it's more in your face it's almost like you know it's almost part of the the norm these days well the, so re- the reason know, i back well, then it was something that was tucked under the rug Right. Well, this is what this is how it goes. If you guys and and this goes to you too. If you guys remember, how much racist shit did Archie Bunker get away with in All in the Family? How much racist shit did George Jefferson get away with in The Jeffersons? 
how many gay jokes did they used to do on Three's Company? You know, and and, and as the True. years progressed, True. as the years progressed, people people let that stuff slide, but it was always looked at as satire. That's why when people were talking about, well, Hulk Hogan said nigga. Yes, he said it as an out of touch old yeah, but white in a guy. different context. Right. And like I said, it's a different on, between- on top of the fact though, on top of the fact though, that you know, that's another funny situation because it's always talked about with uh me and a lot of my uh rapper hip hop friends, you know, a lot of white guys just aren't comfortable saying that word, period. Right. Especially when you know the history and the origin of it. So it's one thing for a brother to say it, but whether it's in the right context or not, when a Caucasian person says it, it just doesn't sound or roll off the tongue the right way. Right, but but going back going back to that, like I said before, the difference between it being slang and derogatory is a vowel and a consonant. Because I could, you know, when 100%. Vince when Vince was like, "What's up, my niggas?" It was N I G G A S, or depending if you don't know how to spell N I. It was funny. Just looking at his stupid face while he said it was hilarious. Yeah, and Booker T going, "Tell me he did not just say that," and everybody was, you know, it was like a wink and a nod at the camera, like, "Yo, this shit is funny," you know, because that's what it was. You also had pulling Booker to co-sign that too, though. You know what I'm saying? Exactly, and that was what worked. Hulk Hogan is in his house saying to the he's a, he, and I've used this term before Bubba the Love Sponge who's a cuckold which for people that don't know let me remind you cuckold is a guy who likes to let his wife get fucked by other guys while he watches which is by the way a genre of porn thank you Jim Norton anyway the fact is that Hogan like Bubba the Love Sponge is a cuckold and he's sitting there listening to Hogan tell his wife Yo, I don't want my daughter having sex with these types of blacks. Not only was it completely racist, but he had standards of what type of black guy his daughter could sleep with. Like, that was the crazy shit. I wouldn't, get, I wouldn't feel so bad if it was some seven-foot-tall nigger that made $80 million. That's what he said. Like... Like, you know what he's pissed off at? He's pissed off the fact that his money line just got cut. He's most likely never going to work for any wrestling organization ever again after he got caught out there like that. And he's also pissed off that now the world knows how he thinks and really feels. Exactly. To me, he's no different, to me, he's no different than a Klan member hiding under a fucking pillowcase. That's it. And everybody can say, well, Hulk Hogan did tons of things for African Americans and wrestlers like Virgil. Virgil was the first one. Yeah, get oh. the fuck out of here. That's the, you know what? Make, <laughs> making a comment like that, not towards you, and just in general, but making a statement like that is no different than, like, I don't know, the uncle that put you through college but fucking molested you along the whole entire way. There you go. You're 100% right. And not for nothing, Virgil's gimmick was essentially a modern day slave. So. What you got to say doesn't mean shit. Because at his point, I was waiting for him. Exactly. He was fucking the million dollar man's do boy, right? Yeah, dude. Like, Virgil's entire gimmick is fucking slavery. And nobody ever wants to acknowledge Mm -hmm. that. He carried his bags. The only thing missing from Virgil's slave gimmick was burlap pants and no shirt and the million dollar man with a whip. Cut the shit. (laughs) I'm fucking serious. It's like, yo, you were a modern day slave. 
in your gimmick the entire time. And like I said, racism is selective. How many dudes that get called out for being racist go, yo, man, I have plenty of black friends. That's right. But do you call them coon when you say what's up to them? No. Yeah, that's the, that's the same mentality of people that I fucking know that, you know, they'll, they'll pull a classic line like this. Yep. Oh, yeah, but he's different. Oh, exactly. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, but he's, he's different. different. Why? Because he's got fucking money? Why? Because he's, a, he's an athlete? Why? Because he's a famous rapper? Why? Because he can play an instrument? What what the fuck makes him so different? Because he's talented and he has a bank account bigger than yours? That's what. But that's what Hogan essentially said. Yeah. I'll exactly. gladly, I'll gladly, uh, and this is the worst part, yo. I'll gladly sell my daughter to to a rat to a rap, you know, to a black guy, but he has to be a black guy that's okay for me. Like that's pretty much it. It's like, yo, you're the wrong he's kind a of black he's a clown. guy. And and that's the thing that bothers me. And people are like, oh man, you know, WWE essentially Chris Benoit him. And what I want to tell people is WWE reacted that way because the tapes aren't completely out there. And there's probably worse shit on there. So WWE's like, yo, we got to cut the cord ASAP. I wouldn't be shocked if in five years he's listed back on the, on the website. But, yo, he will never, ever, 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 ever be on TV ever again. Ever. Uh, I don't see him going back on that website ever again just because, you know what? You know, such a cliche thing to say. But in this day and age, they're not going to risk any type of financial loss because of his thoughts and feelings got exposed to the world. You know, like I said, what he thinks and feels to me in my eyes is no different than what the majority of corporate America thinks and feels. No, you know? no I get everything what you becomes a fucking, everything always becomes a fucking race issue. Yeah. But what you, the reason I say this is because even though Chris Benoit isn't named in any programming whatsoever, like at least now, if you look on the network, sometimes you'll see his matches. They'll put, like, a disclaimer beforehand. Oh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize they put some of his matches back on. Yeah, they'll put it, but they'll put a disclaimer like, hey, you know, blah, 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 like, before you see the match, which is crazy. So they'll do that. That's why I'm saying, like, I wouldn't be shocked five years from now. Like, Hogan, he'll, like, you'll go to the Hall of Fame website and his name will be there, but it'll be, like, inducted X date, actively wrestled X time. They won't say all his contributions because they're going to make sure that he doesn't get that, he doesn't get that love. But they're gonna be like, all right, he's a Hall of Famer. That's it. I mean, as, as much as I absolutely hate the test and can't stand of what he said, how he feels, whatever he thinks, you know, I never understood that when an athlete or you know a person that's in the spotlight for whatever business you know that they're involved with, that they do something outside their job and all of a sudden you know, whatever company or corporation, they try to uh, just basically erase them from history. I never understood that. I mean, at the end of the day, the guy's still a piece of shit, but let's keep it real. Let's keep it a buck. He's the household name for wrestling. When you when you think about boxing, you think of like one or two people. You think of Mike Tyson, Rocky Marciano, Muhammad Ali. Right. When you think of wrestling, you're thinking of Hulk Hogan. So like, you know, they could take him off a website, cut the financial call with him, whatever, but at the end of the day, He's the household name. And that's and that's and I'm glad you said that because you know what the problem is that the there there's no which Val just said in the chat there's no separation between person and athlete. And I've and I've said it on air, Chris Benoit the human is a piece of garbage and hopefully he is burning in hell for all eternity. 
but he's still one of my favorite fucking wrestlers. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't let that motherfucker sleep next to me with a pillowcase ever, but the guy the guy's an amazing wrestler. I'm not I'm not going to erase that as a human being he's garbage. Hulk Hogan same thing. Garbage human being. But you can't erase the accolades of professional wrestling. You can't you can't do it with Mike Tyson, you can't do it with Muhammad Ali, you can't do it with any of these guys. They've all fucking OJ. OJ killed his wife and essentially admitted it, but motherfuckers go and they'll be like, yo, but that motherfucker was awesome on the field, right? <laughs> That's how it is. It's true. It's true. It, it, it happened. Yo, Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis essentially killed a man, depending on how you look at it. Killed a man. Yo, Ray Lewis is the truth, yo. The motivational speeches inv- inspire me to wake up every day and walk out the door and embrace life. Sure, tell that to the guy who he fucking threw in the trunk of his car. <laughs> no, Hogan's no different than your next door neighbor, than yep. the guy that works in your office, than the person you're sitting at the red light. We're all human beings, and we all have good and bad in us. And yep. you know what? His bad got exposed. Period. And 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 the worst part is that that everybody says that we haven't even heard the rest of the tape. Like the rock shit has been alluded to. And the other stuff, but I'm going to tell you right now, I'm sure WWE has heard the full tape or got the full transcript. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. And they probably were like, nope. 100%. <laughs> they were probably like, nope. Vince was probably on the phone like, Hulk, why didn't you tell me you felt this way? <laughs> yeah, more, more like, <laughs> shut him the fuck up before we start snitching on me. <laughs> That's it. Hulk, you should have told me. Is anyone recording this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is this. Remember, this is the guy. This is the guy that sends our truth out there every week, essentially shucking and jiving. So. Oh my God! There you go with that shucking and jiving shit. It's like, yo, just wear a top <laughs> hat and wear a fucking can, and a cane at this point, and walk out just saying, "Let's all go uh, to the lobby." <laughs> while they throw fucking quarters into his little tin cup. That's it. But um. Aside from that, um, anything else you wanted to add? Nah, that's pretty much about it. Just uh, like I said, man, I really do hope that The Rock gives him a nice backhand or two across the lips. I'd laugh my balls off. Just uh, uh, Dwayne Johnson was questioned earlier today for an alleged assault on Terry Bollea, a.k.a. Hulk Hogan. I mean- <laughs> They're both they're both fucking paid. What are they gonna do? Sue each other for one million a piece, ten million a piece? Like you know what I'm saying? Yep. You got to, for me, you know, the Rock had like I said, he, he's probably so established financially. He had so much money, so many lucrative opportunities. For me, I'd lose a couple million and knock his fucking teeth out. I think I think the Rock would slap him and be like, "Write yourself a check, jackass." <laughs> exactly. You fucking give him a blank check and fucking rip his fucking gum lines. That's it. He'd be like, "Sign this, jabroni." After I slap you in the in the mouth, <laughs> cuts a promo on they him. Just... him to the, uh, they could add him to the Ronda Rousey fucking uh, Mayweather fucking celebrity match. I'm That's telling it. You it'll work. Yo, if The Rock fought Hogan for charity, I think people would lose their shit. <laughs> uh, you're right Dude, about they that. Could charge, they could probably charge like three hundred clams for a pay per view, and I know I'd pay it. <laughs> You're not kidding, brother. You are not kidding. Um, before we wrap things up, as as I mentioned last week, uh, 
James Blackstone is on board with Rageworks. Follow him on Instagram, Jimbo underscore Slice, L-S-L-Y-C-E, and the number 13. All right, brother. Thank Thank you you for the assist. I appreciate you calling in. No doubt. All right, brother. Peace. Good night. There you go. Our very own James Blackstone, Jimbo Slice on Instagram. I'll put the link in the show notes. I uh, just want to get into the other wrestling news of the week. I did want to touch on the Hogan thing, and um, I think we've summed it up quite well. Uh, Hogan, piece of shit, <laughs> and uh, don't make apologies for, for his racism. It's not cool. Anyway, so before we wrap things up, there were a couple of things I did want to mention. Uh, first off, Forbes actually put out a, uh, an article acknowledging the financial impact on the WWE due to Hulk Hogan's allegations. I want to share this with you guys because people, again, are quick to question why the company reacted the way they did. And I'm going to say this. Forbes said that the financial impact of Hogan's racism scandal said that the WWE stock dropped 4% on Friday to $16.60. Because of that, it, it actually equated to a loss of $50 million. Now, obviously, people are going to automatically say that the numbers for the stock market were low that day, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I will tell you this. There were no WWE financial calls. There were no updates regarding the network. There were no pertinent stock-related issues on the network whatsoever, uh, on, the, uh, on WWE stock. There were known outages on the WWE network. This was a result of the negative press that happened the next day. People forget, WWE is a publicly traded company. Everything that goes on, good, bad, or otherwise, will affect the stock. And the shareholders will not call up the company. They'll just take their money and put it elsewhere. So again, before you ask yourself, how could this have affected the company and why did they cut ties so abruptly? I'll give you 50 million reasons why. And if you guys want the notes for that, definitely check out Forbes. I'll try and include a link in the show notes for that as well. Just so you guys could see that this isn't just about a guy having pillow talk while his buddy watches in the other room after he finished pounding his wife. This is about the fact that you are dealing with a publicly traded company that reaches a demographic of children across the world whose hero, the guy who preached about saying your prayers and taking your vitamins, is essentially just as much flawed as everyone else. And I always joke about this. All our heroes that we admire growing up will always disappoint us. All of them. One reason or another, you will be disappointed. Either you'll meet them face-to-face and they'll disappoint you, or they'll do something that'll disappoint you. That's why it's you can respect their accomplishments, you can respect their goals, but don't make them your heroes. There's, there's other people out there that can do just as much good for you that you know are not in the public spotlight. Simple as that. Hulk Hogan, a, a, a tremendous, tremendous entity in the world of professional wrestling. He's, he was an enigma, he was an incredible performer, but a miserable human being. Simple as that. But again, Forbes touched on the, on the allegations and stated that it was a $50 million loss, which I'm curious to see when WWE does their next earnings call, 
how that gets addressed. All right. While we are on the subject of the WWE Network, I did want to mention that PW Insider is saying that WWE is considering offering an option for people that are interested in buying pay-per-views a la carte on the WWE Network. Uh, PW Insider states that allegedly a survey was sent out to former subscribers which asked about the option, meaning that if you were interested, you can pay $4.99 per pay-per-view and watch them on the network instead of paying the full $9.99 for a subscription. I do want to say that's fucking stupid. Stupid. Anybody who does that is an idiot. And again, I'll tell you why. Two pay-per-views. Let's say you buy SummerSlam and Survivor Series. $120. 10 bucks a month. 12 months in a year. $120. You get all the pay-per-views, all the original content, and NXT. It's not a WWE Network shill. It's not a, a, a thing to sell network subscriptions. I don't make a dime. But I'm honest. You get a lot more for that lousy 10 bucks. And I'll, be, and I'll say this. I'm willing to accept a shitty pay-per-view that only cost me $10 because it's one shitty pay-per-view and three good episodes of NXT. It's a fair enough trade-off. That's all I'm saying. As I mentioned earlier, Alicia Fox did suffer a concussion during her match on Raw. Um, WWE posted that the announcement was a mild concussion and no other information was available. Uh, last two bits of news I wanted to address. Uh, the, the, the first one is Hogan-related, and it involves Eric Bischoff. Many of you guys know Eric Bischoff, a friend and confidant of, of Hulk Hogan for, for years, a business partner, recently spoke on uh, Under the Mat about the Hogan allegations. And his own friend said this. Well, first of all, I think WWE handled it the only way they could. In the entertainment business, especially when you're a publicly held company, you have to be sensitive not only to your audience, but you have to be sensitive to your advertisers. You have to be sensitive to your business partners. You have to be sensitive and respectful to so many different people within the business of entertainment that you have to be responsible and take responsible actions. And I think that's exactly what WWE did. I don't see how they possibly could have kept Hulk in the the position that Hulk was in when he was a quote-unquote ambassador for the company with the kind of horrible publicity that is surrounding him now and will likely surround him for quite a while given everything that's going on. Again, those of you making excuses... Hulk Hogan's own boy, Eric Bischoff, Easy e kept it real with that statement. And I said it before, and it was before I even saw that from Eric Bischoff. Publicly traded company. It, you know, children watch this product. Advertisers depend on this product to get their merchandise out there. You can't have a guy saying racist, racist shit. It's unacceptable. Again... Sure, they'll blacklist him, his stuff will disappear, but Hogan, Hogan is too big of a force in wrestling for him to be swept under the rug. So yes, you won't see him listed in the Hall of Fame, but you'll be able to watch WCW stuff, his stuff with the NWO. They haven't taken it down, still there, just not out there because you, you can't acknowledge it. You can't, but that doesn't mean it's going to go away. It's going to be swept under the rug. It is what it is. It's got to be acknowledged. WWE just has to be tactful 
about how they do it. They're not going to put him back in there six months from now. This is going to take a year or two before people, people's focus shifts elsewhere. Because wrestling fans remember all kinds of shit. And you just can't sweep that under the rug. That's all I'm saying. And the last bit of wrestling news to wrap things up this evening um, involves the retirement of a WWE diva who we have not seen in the ring for quite some time. Um, I actually thought that she was injured. As it turns out, that Layla is officially retiring. She announced her retirement on the site. And she said, I feel like deciding to retire from the ring has been a hard decision to make because I'm passionate and I love performing. Layla, for those of you that don't know, was part of the 2006 WWE Diva Search, winning the contest and the contract. She made her official debut in, uh, during the 2006 edition of SummerSlam in a backstage segment. She's been very successful with the company, going on to win the Women's, Champion, the women's Championship, making her the last person to hold that title. She was also Diva's Champion, pinning uh, Brie Bella. I believe in uh, 2012 or 2013. She was also a member of Lay Cool alongside Michelle McCool and was a quote-unquote co-champion, if you guys rem- remember that. Uh, definitely sad to see Layla go. Uh, she was a solid performer in the ring, uh, did a great job as an ambassador for the company, was a great representative of the UK, uh, really was loved anytime she worked the European tours. So I'm definitely sad to see her go, but... Who knows, maybe she's going on to, to bigger and better pastures, and I'm sure she'll work with the WWE in some capacity, much like uh, Eve Torres has and some of the other people that have uh, distanced themselves from the company or retired. Um, again, it's definitely a blow to the Divas division, but I'll be honest, uh, considering the crop of Divas that are currently on the roster and the fact that we hadn't seen her in so long, I figured that she just had a really serious injury, and again, the division is still chugging along, doing pretty good, but... It's going to be, you know, it's unfortunate that she retired. Uh, definitely wish her the best. Like I said, she was she was good in the matches she was in, and she was also one of the few individuals that came out of the reality show competitions and actually showed an aptitude for wrestling and improved as the years went on instead of just treading water and being a pretty face. So, uh, Layla, we wish you the best of luck. Uh, thank you for all the great entertainment that you have delivered uh, over the years as a WWE performer. Anyway, with that bit of news, ladies and gents, that is going to wrap up tonight's show. So before we wrap things up, a couple of things. Uh, Join us uh, later today, since it's now Thursday, July 30th. uh, Join us for our gaming and entertainment edition of My Take Radio. We're going to be talking about all the latest gaming news and all the latest entertainment news. I want to share my thoughts on Southpaw with you guys uh, we got a big weekend of movies with Mission Impossible this weekend. Uh, Fantastic Four dropping next weekend. I want to get into that. And, of course, all the gaming news for the week. I'm sure that Slick will have quite a bit of stuff to share with us as well, uh, given that we haven't done a gaming and entertainment show for the last two weeks. Uh, this episode of My Take Radio will be available in podcast format within 24 to 48 hours and will be available on our two YouTube channels, my Take Radio TV and official RageWorks on YouTube. If you haven't subscribed, please do. We'd really appreciate it. Every subscriber helps. And uh, keep continuing to recommend My Take Radio and RageWorks, either our content or our shows, to all your friends. We truly, truly appreciate it. Last but not least, you can find us on social media. Uh, My Take Radio is on 
Twitter. And also you can follow us on RageWorks on Twitter, Rage underscore works. Uh, with regards to our Facebook fan page, if you missed uh, the announcement at the beginning of the show, I will be merging the My Take Radio fan page with the RageWorks fan page this Friday. So don't be shocked if you go to the My Take Radio fan page and end up on RageWorks. That was intentional. Uh, last but not least, you can find me on Instagram, RageWorks underscore Rich. Make sure to follow that if you want to keep up with all the event coverage that we put up. You can also follow us on Periscope, Rage underscore Works. I try to Periscope every every other week or so with some tech stuff and sometimes just random ramblings. Uh, last but not least, remember, archived episodes of the show, the audio version, are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. On behalf of myself and the rest of the RageWorks My Take Radio family, Thank you guys for your continued support and for tuning in to another episode of My Take Radio. All right. Time to get the hell out of here, guys. Peace. Rich, bitch. That's all, folks.